Welcome. You're listening to the Beaver Dam Baptist Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. If you would like more information about Beaver Dam Baptist Church or have questions about today's message, please visit us on the internet at www.bdbc.org. Good morning. Give our sister and brother a round of applause again. Thank you so much for leading us in worship this morning. Um, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is the King of my life and my heart, and count it all joy that I can open up God's holy, right, true, magnificent word with you all for a few minutes this morning. And if I can count right, 9-11 plus 30 is... It's 941, is that correct, Pastor Allen? Okay, sweet. Well, I'm going to make a, a mental and a physical note here. Then I need to be sitting down at about 941 and a half. Uh, <laughs> oh, kidding. Thank you, uh, Dr. Price, for having me uh, share in this sacred space this morning. And I know I've listened to your preaching. I've fellowship with you all before. And uh, I know the seriousness that, uh, that you adhere to preaching the word of God. And so I thank you, brother, for an opportunity to be here. Thank you, Pastor uh, Jake and Scott, too. I think those guys are probably serving outside of this space right now. And especially especially want to thank you all who joined us over the past uh, couple of days. Uh, I said, I think yesterday in the closing session, like I I sort of referring to Monday, because after you lecture four times, you feel like it's been a week. And uh, although it was like four hours, it it felt long, not because you all were doing anything crazy. It was just a a fun, pack-filled weekend. So thank you all so much for having me and for coming out, those of you who, who were able to join and I pray that it will be a blessing uh, to you. And now to the task at hand, I will pray for us. I will open up the scripture to Ephesians chapter 1. I will read about 14 verses this morning, try to set the scripture in its context. Do all I can to speak in a rhythm that is slow and paced out. My wife tells me, you talk too fast. You're probably saying, yes, she is right already. And um, we'll just make sense of highlighting some of the things that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this moment. Father, I I thank you for for calling me. Lord, every time I have an opportunity to get up in the morning and every time, Lord, you give me an opportunity to talk about you in this type of setting, I am always baffled, Lord by the fact that you would call me to do your marvelous work. My waywardness, Lord, before you called me, and even the way I turn away from your word even now, Lord, you're constantly pouring your abundant grace and mercy out on me, has me wondering why me, why us as a collected body, Lord. And your grace and your mercy, it abounds much. So, Father, if it be your will this morning, would you fill me with your power, Lord, this morning so that I may expose the truths in the text this morning as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And, Lord, wait, may, may we experience now exactly what the church would have felt and experienced, Lord, when, when that letter would have been read aloud, Lord. Lord, you know the inner workings of every single heart in this room. Would you comfort those who need comforting this morning? Would you confront us, those who need to be confronted with the scripture, Lord? And would, 
for your namesake, would you conform us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, under your supreme authority and sovereignty and by the power of the spirit, Lord. We love you. We bless your holy and righteous name because you are blessed. Lord, let it be so in our time together this morning. Lord, guide my heart, my thoughts, my words. This prayer and all I do ask, we do ask in your son Jesus' name, amen. KJ, thanks for hanging out with me this morning. My son wanted to roll with me this morning. He's a little chilly, so if y'all see him shaking, uh, he's just cold. Do not adjust the temperature, please. Don't do that. He'll, he'll be okay. I offered him my jacket. I offered him a bunch of things. He just, he wants to be chilly. So uh, you'll see in a moment, I'm already sweating. So he, he'll be fine. Uh, thanks, KJ. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be, two things, holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. He set forth in Christ his plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory and all the saints said together, amen. That's a mouthful and a meaningful. Let's see if we can simply unearth a few things here, being united in Christ, and the fact that we have abundant spiritual blessings in Christ, in God the Father. I'll try to just unearth a few things. Paul was the writer of this beloved letter to the church at Ephesus. Now, 
This, this is a beauty for us to be reminded of. And I often say reminded because some of us, this may be our first introduction to Paul. And so when I'm often trying to work through a book, I'm wondering like, who are the believers in the room? Who are the unbelievers in the room? For, so for those of y'all who know Paul and who have read through the Pauline epistles, this will be a reminder. For some of you all who have never heard anything about Paul, and I hope some of those people are here today, this will be a slight introduction to who Paul is, the writer of this beloved letter. Paul finds himself being opposed to Jesus Christ. Paul, in his own words in 1 Timothy chapter 1, refers to himself as an insolent, haughty, boastful opponent of Jesus Christ. He hated Jesus Christ. He did everything he could to arrest people who were speaking of the way. And then Paul, on, on the Damascus roads, finds himself blinded by the supremacy and brilliance of Jesus Christ and comes to know him. Three years, he is kind of isolated and set off learning the things of God. Believers were afraid of him at one point. And now Paul finds himself in chains, the very chains that he hoped to put people in one day. Paul finds himself trying to stand up for not only the Jews, but more so for the Gentiles, finds himself in chains. You can read a little bit of this about the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 all the way through 41. You can read more about this beloved church in Ephesus, even in Acts chapter 22, particularly in verses 28, 29, and 30. You will see that Paul finds himself in chains for a few reasons. One, they said, the, the, the leaders are said that Paul was preaching and teaching a false gospel, false doctrine. Paul was not preaching and teaching false doctrine. Paul was talking about the supremacy of Christ. And if you, if you missed it in the reading, you probably, hopefully you hear it now. The other thing that had Paul in chains was the fact that Paul said it is okay for Gentiles, people from another ethnic group to fellowship with us. Paul was dealing with racism in the context of this church. They did not want Paul, the Jews and the Gentiles, coming together. If you read some of Matthew Henry's commentary and some of the works of McCune, he will say that the church at Ephesus dealt with not only false doctrine, but also the, the understanding of what it meant for other ethnic groups to worship together. Paul stood against those things. Paul finds himself in chains. And even while Paul is in chains, he says, I need to reach back and to love the church at Ephesus. That's a quick introduction to who Paul is. Hopefully you know a little bit more about him and the rationale for writing this letter right now. Now we look at the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing to address particular issues, not so much with the church at Ephesus. Paul simply wants to encourage them of their doctrinal beliefs to remind them that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are working as the triune God to protect and to keep and to preserve them and to present them faultless before his namesake at the end of time. The text was written to address some particular issues. It was written to remind them that they are a community of believers. And I love reading different commentaries because some commentaries would argue that Romans is, is the supreme letter of Paul. How many of y'all agree with that? Like Romans is the best letter Paul ever wrote. You can raise your hand if you think y'all that Romans is the best. There you go, I got a couple of hands up back there. There's another commentary that said, this epistle is the queen of all of Paul's writings. I can't wait to get to heaven. Paul would probably say, as he says in 1 Corinthians, stop talking about who you are of. I'm Apollos, I'm of Paul. I'm glad I ain't baptized any of y'all, whatever. Don't argue over what's the best. Some writers will simply say this is the queen of all the epistles the crown jewel of everything that Paul wrote. Let's look now for a moment at the works of the Holy Spirit 
God the Father and God the Son. If you look very quickly, just at a survey, we look at, we look at, at verses three to six and we'll see that Paul pays homage to God the Father. We look at verses seven and eight, we'll get there in a moment, we'll see that Paul talks about and pays homage to God the Son. And then in verses 13 and 14, we will see that Paul lays a heavy emphasis on God the Spirit, reminding us that we have abundant spiritual blessings in Christ. And as the triune God is united, we should also be united. Now here's some things I want you to take note of. About nine things, I wish there were 10 for my educational brain. I couldn't get 10 out of here and I don't want to make stuff up, all right? If you find 10, you let me know, okay? Say, I found a 10th one that kind of solidifies my thinking. I like thinking in, I don't know, in 10s. If you got an elementary school teacher out there, the little, the little 10 grams, like that's how my brain works. Give me the block of 10. Don't give me nine and ask me to find the other one. Put them all together, whatever. Here we go. Nine things we are that I'll talk about in this text. We are blessed. That's one. We are given peace, that's another. We are given an inheritance, that's a third. We become sons and daughters of God's family, that's a fourth. I'll repeat these a couple of times, I hope. The fifth one is we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Hopefully you've seen that, maybe you heard that in those first 14 verses. We become holy and blameless in God's sight. I could have made that too, ha! I could have said holy is one and then blameless is another. The next service they'll get 10. Thank y'all for letting me practice with (laughs) y'all. Thank you for being here for the practice. Boom. Okay, I feel so much better now. The seventh one is we are lavish with God's amazing grace. We just sung about his amazing grace. The eighth is we are are redeemed. We're bought back. And the ninth is we are chosen before the foundation of the earth was set. And there are ten too. One's holy and one's blameless. Whatever. Uh, Here we go. Let's look at verse one. And for the next few minutes, I just want to kind of skim through these verses, kind of highlighting some of the things that I think Paul would want us to know and would have wanted the believers to settle in on. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. One of the words I think are brilliant in Paul's introductions, most of them, is he talks about being called by the will of God. And I think it's sufficient, it's good for our hearts to be reminded that every single thing we do, particularly for Sunday school teachers, both the teaching and the learning and the inquiry are by the will of God. So as you teach, you're teaching by the will of God. As you're inquiring about the scripture, about the text, you're doing that under the supremacy of God. As you are learning, sitting in the Sunday school class, you're doing that through and by the will of God. And then he says to the faithful, and then my mind began to say, faithful to what? Now, one of the, one of the seven wonders of the world are located in, 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 in Ephesus. You get this, this mini-breasted, mummy-looking little statue that many people are worshiping. They're falling into all types of idolatry around sexual immorality. And Paul says to the faithful, you all have been faithful in teaching. You're not like the church of Corinth. You're not stumbling into multiple sins. You've been faithful in the teaching. You've been faithful in the receiving of the word of God. You have been faithful in practicing the things of Christ. And so all my faithful Sunday school teachers out there and all my faithful Sunday school attendees, I bless you for being faithful to the task of teaching. I bless pastor for being faithful to the work of teaching and preaching. I bless those who are faithful in leading us in worship. Faithful, are you faithful? And that's a question for our hearts. Are we more faithful to the things of Christ? Are? Does Pastor Allen find himself having to beg you to do the things of Christ? 
Here's what I figured out. Like the things we love to do, no one has to beg us to do those things. I never have to beg KJ to play video games. Now he's not an avid video game player. He gets a little, he listens to a little video game time on Saturday. But I never have to remind Kevin, hey, today is Saturday. Today is your video game. He's like, hey, today is Saturday, dad, can I play? Never have to remind him. Sometimes we have to be reminded to clean up the restrooms, right? And I say we because my wife and I share a space and she's like, hey, do you do, sweets? You know, and I'm like, I got you, babe, cover like a blanket, you know? She never has to remind me to get myself coffee or cinnamon rolls and bless you whoever bought me that massive of a thing yesterday from, uh, what is it, the, the, the donut hole shop? What was the name of that? Uh, what, what is it? Yeah, yeah, there we go. That thing was like a foot long. My God. I said, I said to myself when I saw it, I said, this is a kingdom cinnamon roll. Okay, I'm off, I'm off track right now. But she never has to remind me to mention cinnamon rolls. I just do that thing naturally. Paul is saying here, we ought to be faithful. Are the pastoral and ministry leaders having to beg you to do the things that you know you should just be faithful to do? Let me hurry on right now. I may be on somebody's street and I want to get off your street. Verse number two, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This again is, is typical of a Pauline uh, greeting. He's just saying grace to you. I don't want to do frivolously with the word grace because grace is one of those things I just mentioned in the list that we get. We get grace. He's saying grace to you, peace to you. Why would they need grace and need peace? Why do we need grace and peace? We live in a, in a crazy world. If anybody right now doesn't need peace, let me know the kind of life you're living. There are all these things popping up in our life where we need more of God's peace. We need more of his riches and blessings. So grace to you, Paul is saying. And now he turns the corner, I think, after his introduction to remind us that we have abundant spiritual blessings in in Christ. And let's look at the and let's look at verses now 3 to 6 looking at the abundant blessings we have in and from God the Father. Verses 3 to 6. Blessed be blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Here's your homework after the preaching this morning. I want you to mention, I want you to just jot down how many times Paul says in Christ or of Christ or for Christ or through Christ. Jot those things and I love looking for those trends and those resounding themes in the text. You will see that there are many of them. Blessed be God the Father. So now these are two blesseds here. One is blessed to blessed be the God and Father. We bless him. We speak good of him. And the New Living Translation in the NIV, they translate this, I think, a little bit better than the ESV and the CSV do, even though I love the ESV translation, because they simply say, give praises to God. And that's what Paul is saying in this third verse. Blessed be, give praises to God the Father who has given blessings unto us. And that's the second thing that I mentioned. We get grace, we get blessings. And then I begin to ask myself, why in the world would he give us any kind of blessings? And when did he start giving us these blessings? And Paul, because he was a phenomenal writer and an exceptional scholar, he begins to answer those questions for us. My brain said, what are the spiritual blessings? When do we get the spiritual blessings? Paul says, three time periods I want us to think about here. Number one is before the foundation of the earth was set. 
God had called us and was blessing us and keeping us and had sealed us, sealed us with the power of the Holy Spirit. So before you were born, Jeremiah will say, God knew you. He had called you. He had kept you. So before we were born, God was blessing us. Isn't that good news? I, we had, we had a, pr- a pregnant mom uh, w- with us uh, yesterday and the day before yesterday. And I'm thinking in my head, I know she is praying over that baby. I know she is doing the right things to, 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 to prep that baby. She is blessing that baby before that baby is even birthed. And that is how much God loves us. All the little things he needs to do to take care of us, he has already done. And then even right now, so before we were born, and then when it says all the spiritual blessings, he is keeping us right now. If I ask you right now to begin just to write down and to count up the blessings and the ways the Lord had kept you, we would be here for days. Because each time a brother or sister would say something, I think our hearts would be prompted to say, oh yeah, he blessed me in that way too. He blessed me in that way too. So before we were born, now and then forevermore, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We get to spend eternity with him under his love and care and deep affection. And this is simply an echo of what Jude says in those closing verses. We know the doxology, some of us do, where he says, listen, before all time, now and forevermore, both glory and majesty and dominion and authority unto God. And Paul is simply echoing that Jude would have said under a little bit of Paul's instructions, right? So he is, he, is, he is echoing now what we have read in the Old Testament and what we know to be true of Christ. We are blessed. We have abundant spiritual blessings in Christ. And I have nine minutes left to work through some of these verses. Verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He chose us in love. Now we can go back and forth. I don't want to talk about subordinate clauses and all those things, but some people read verse four and five a little bit differently. Some put in love at the end of verse four, some put in love at the beginning of verse five. However you decide to parse that text out, it is true. God loves us. And I'm not being frivolous with that, with that moment there, but he loves us. He chose us. And as I'm reading the text, I say, what if he didn't choose me? And what a sobering thought. I just, what if he did not choose you? Now, we love Romans 8 and 1. But we sometimes struggle with Romans 9, 21, 22, and 23. Like, yeah, uh, he's, he's, the, he's the potter, we're the clay. Some made for honorable use, others made for dishonorable use. What if he didn't choose you? That's a frightening thought. But he chose us. And that's an amazing thought. That is a beautiful thought. Another one of those things I want you to note, he chose us. Again, before the foundation of the world, so that we should be two things. How do we apply the beautiful gift that God has given us? Here's two things that I think are applicable for our lives right now. You should fight to be holy. You should fight to be holy. Why is Sunday school significant and important? Because they're walking you through the daily process, the weekly process of here's a reminder of how you ought to live out the scripture. Here's a reminder of how you ought to live out the text. We are told to be holy. 
We're told to be holy in our schools. We're told to be holy in our workplaces. We're told to be holy with those who are unbelieving family members and friends. We're told to be holy with our believing family members and friends. And then the second application point, hey, the baby is okay. The baby is okay to cry. The baby is all good. Please don't leave. Baby's good. Okay, I love little babies. I'm okay with the baby, for real. Don't, don't feel any urgency, please. We're all, we're all good. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Hopefully it's not against church policy. Like if your baby's crying, get out. Pastor, I'm, I'm sorry if that's the, <laughs> oh man, if that's the drill, if that's the routine, get out. I'm sorry. I mean, I hate to say get out, stay. Okay, let me carry on. Babies are simply a sign of life. Psalms 127. Hey, bless him. Every single image bearer is a gift from God. Here we go. And crying is a natural thing. We are called to be blameless live out a blameless life. I don't care what your friends are doing in second, third, or fourth grade. You're called to follow the teacher's rules and to be blameless. I don't care what your coworkers are doing at your place of employment. We're called to be blameless. Why? Because we have abundant spiritual blessings in Christ before the foundation, even now and forevermore. We are kept and we're kept in love. He chose us in love. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption. He chose us. Now, think about how beautiful the adoption process is in an earthly sense. Maybe some of you all have adopted babies before. Maybe some of you all are adopted. That's a beautiful process. We see these things taking place and we, we, we read about the stories of how beautiful, how long parents wait. They go overseas, they go down the street and they adopt and they bring these babies into the home. They pray for them, they beg for them, they fight for them, they pay a heavy cost for them. Typically they do all these miraculous things and they say, I want you to be mine. I want you to be a part of our family. And that is the imagery here. Christ both, he predestined us and then he adopted us. He went for us, he fought for us. He gave up his life in the flesh for us because he loves us and that was all according to the purpose of his will. Why would he adopt you and me like that blows my mind like why he would want me and he says I'll take you Kevin I'll clean you up I'll adopt you and I will make you mine and I will bless you with abundant spiritual blessings now before you were born and forever in the heavenly places verse 6 and then we'll kind of sum up our thoughts about God the Father and segue pretty quickly to our thoughts about God the Son and God the Spirit. To the praise of his glorious grace, which, which he has blessed us with in the beloved. He's blessed us, you all, with abundant grace. Don't scoff at it. He has poured out his grace to us and continues to pour out his grace to us. That's my, 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 my few notes on God the Father, the way he has blessed us with abundant gifts. Now, let's look very quickly this next set of verses in 7 and 8 God the Son he says this in him we have redemption through his blood for forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight through his blood through the shed blood of the Son you, 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 you all of us, me, we are kept it is through his blood and so the price for us adopting people, image bearers, human beings is typically a hefty cost. And the price for Christ, for God the Father, God the Spirit to adopt us was also a hefty price. It was the life of Jesus Christ. He died for us. He was ridiculed. He was beat. He was mocked. 
He was punched in his face, repeatedly crown of thorns, pushed into his head. He was made to drag a cross through a town. He had to watch his family members and friends desert him. He had to watch Peter make a mockery of him and deny him. Knowing that he was going, he had to allow men, men's hands we had created, punch him and beat him in his face. He had to, he had, he had to have these interactions with Herod and Pilate and remind them that they had no power and authority, but that which had been given from God the Father, he endured all those things, the redemption through his blood. Don't scoff at his blood. How precious is the blood of Jesus Christ, the sweetness Oh, we should savor the blood on the cross, which he, verse 8 says this, he lavished on us. It's not this cheap blood. It's not this cheapness. You know, weddings, people go all out. Birthdays, people go all out. Anniversaries, people go all out. I so-called called myself lavishing my love on my wife when we first met. I called it like Taco Bell and a, and a dollar movie. That was me lavishing my love on her. Like, I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a go all out, girl. Here's your Pepsi and your Nacho Bell Grande with no beans and extra sour cream. The thought of that makes me wanna vomit right now. Sorry if you own stock in Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm a lot of apologizing this morning. I just need to read all my notes. Um, but I call that lavishing us. But that's not what he does. He lavishes all types of things on us. And if your heart posture today is you need more, I would double check that heart posture because we have everything that we need for life and for godliness, particularly in the heavenly places. Let me sum up my thoughts here this morning and pray for us. We see now in verses 13 and 14. Yes, I skipped 9, 10, 11, and 12. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. They are really important, those verses that I skimmed over, but it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. How sweet is that? So the Holy Spirit isn't something that comes and goes. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And I love the idea of sealed up. We're looking for a house right now in, in Springfield, Ohio, one of my major questions is, hey, tell me what the foundation is like. Is that thing locked tight? Because I don't need no floods in my house. And they said, oh, yeah. The inspector came back and said, this thing is sealed up. I said, praise God. And I immediately thought about this, primarily because I was preparing to preach these moments through this inspection, but also because I'm constantly reminded that the Holy Spirit has sealed us up. And no one, we just sang it in a song, no one, no nothing can pluck us out of his hand. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the beauty of the triune God working together there? God the Father sets these things in place. Jesus Christ pays the propitiation, the complete payment for our sin. And then we're sealed up by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have those abundant spiritual blessings in Christ. And because of that, we should be holy and blameless and set apart, and we should, as we read in verse 9, continue the work of explaining the mysteries of Christ. Now, here is why I think it's significant for us to be avid Sunday school teachers and Sunday school participants. We read in verse 9 this, and then I'm going to close my Bible and sit down. Making known to us the mystery of his will. The, the Sunday school classroom is constantly supplementing what Pastor Allen is preaching. So if you want to know more about the mysteries of Christ, if you want to know more about his love and his mercy, if you want to know more about how Haggai 
ties to Luke. If you want to know more about how Zephaniah is connected with the book of Ephesians, if you want to know more about those things, I think you should find yourself chasing after as much collective Bible study and time you can and savor of the grace that God has given us to know and to sit under the preach and the taught word. I hope this morning you have got the main point of what I hope my aim was is that we have abundant spiritual blessings in Christ and should fight for the unity of the body for the sake of Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. I love you, Lord. We do bless your holy and righteous name, Father. I pray, Lord, I ask that my words through the power of your spirit would take deep root in the lives and hearts of the believers, Lord, that are here. If there are unbelievers under the sound of my voice, Lord, I pray that you have convicted them to the point that they want to put their face to the ground and they want more of your abundant grace, mercies and blessings and they want to know more about the mysteries of Christ, those things that have been made known and clear to us. Father, we bless your holy and righteous name. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray, amen.